Hi everybody, this is Chris Campbell with the Food Institute Podcast, and today we're going to be speaking with Lauren Tolbert of Fair Trade USA regarding their programs and how they try to improve the world through their certification programs, especially in their food and beverage products. But before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for today's episode. And that sponsor is Mazars. Mazars in the U.S. provides food and beverage companies with the specialized expertise required to venture further in this dynamic industry environment. The more than 200 leading food and beverage manufacturers, distributors, restaurants, and importers who call them their trusted advisors are a testament to their deep market knowledge and global capabilities. In recent years, sustainability has evolved substantially in the food and beverage marketplace. Good corporate governance and social responsibility are not simply rooted in doing the right thing, but they also bring with them performance benefits. Mazars helps companies address their sustainability strategies from design and embedding to reporting and assurance. Mazars will give you a competitive edge to maximize results. And for more information, please visit mazars.us slash home slash services slash sustainability. And to make it a little bit easier, we will definitely share a link to their website in the description of this episode. So let's just jump right into it. Welcome to the show, Lauren. I think the best way to open up the conversation would just be you giving a little bit of a background about yourself, but also Fair Trade USA. So could you share for us? Yes. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to share a little bit more about myself. I joined Fair Trade USA about a year and a half ago. And previous to that, I actually was in corporate retail um, across both buying and planning, multiple categories. So with that background, you know, times have been changing and I was ready to kind of make a change and really think about, do I want to get more involved with philanthropic work? And it just so happened I had joined an industry conference and I connected with a former colleague at Fair Trade USA. We started talking about the, their great mission, how they're looking to grow the retail department. And based on my background, it looked to be a fit. And a few months later, I ended up at the company. Um, so again, excited to be with the company and really overall Fair Trade's mission in the history is Fair Trade is a global movement. You know, made up of a diverse network of producers, companies, consumers, advocates, and organizations putting the planet and people first. Um, at Fair Trade USA, we are one of the leading certifier of Fair Trade products in North America. We're a trusted Fair Trade certified seal on a product, and that signifies that it was made according to rigorous standards that promote sustainable livelihoods, safe working conditions, protection of the environment, and strong, transparent supply chains. And how that mission started was actually back in 1983 was when our CEO and founder, Paul Rice, you know, did a one-way ticket to Nicaragua focusing on coffee. And while he was there, he recruited 24 coffee farmers and they to agree to sell their coffee on fair trade terms. And after that first harvest, farmers received a dramatically higher income, enabling them to invest in homes, electricity and running water things that had previously been unable to afford. Then as that grew, the group grew to 3,000 families. And when Paul returned to the United States, that's when he launched Fair Trade USA. Thanks for sharing, Lauren. And I was hoping that we could also go into a little bit about what it means to be Fair Trade USA certified. And I'm sure some people are familiar with the term, most likely through Fair Trade Coffee. But could you really distill down what it means to be Fair Trade USA certified and what that means for a product? I think a lot of consumers now take a look at different product labels and they see the gluten-free label, they see the vegan label, and they might have 
you know, an overload of stimulus when it comes to different label uh, icons, basically, you know, different certifications on the product label. So could you differentiate the Fair Trade USA label and what that means for a producer and for a consumer when they see that on the package? Yeah, absolutely. So when consumers and everyone, they see the Fair Trade Certified Seal, you can ensure that you know that it drives positive impact that meets rigorous social, environmental, and economic standards. So if you think about, so safe working conditions are really upheld with our audits and um, compliance team ensuring labor laws, you know, environmental protection. Our standards work to keep the planet healthy by providing, um, ensuring that harmful chemicals are not interrupting the farms and taking measures to protect that. Then when you get to sustainable livelihoods, we support with the audits, you know, legally required wages and benefits. Then what we really um, pride ourselves in is how we focus on the community development funds. So we pride this with, so all of our producers, which again, farmers, fisheries, they get to elect a community committee and they get to decide how that premium is actually used within their communities. How do you measure these goals and commitments then when you're going through all of these different products, you know, obviously, like you said earlier, it's a global kind of initiative. So I'd imagine, you know, transportation, supply chain, everything, there's a lot of different links that need to be investigated. And especially with the COVID-19 pandemic kind of upending a lot of traditional models that people were using in the food world. How do you measure those goals? And has that kind of changed since COVID? Or is it something that you guys were able to kind of maintain, at least in process? Yeah. So how we measure our goals and commitments is really through our impact management system and our theory of change, which our theory of change is really a visual representation of how we lay out our strategies and activities to really drive that impact um, all the way, you know, from the producers and the communities themselves to see the change all the way to the consumer's eyes. So, and again, with the producers, it really starts with them and it's small producers, fishers, workers, and hired labor settings on farms or in factories. And in many of these global supply chains, value is not shared equitably. So producers have limited ability to negotiate a fair exchange for goods and services. So with all that being said in today's market, you know, business drives down prices at the expense of most of these vulnerable things, which meaning producers may not receive even payment that covers their basic needs or even the cost of production. And like you said, too, especially within COVID, you know, it's really opened our eyes of, and I think everyone's around of how much, especially these essential workers and where our food and everything start was really affected. So even with um, everything in the beginning, you know, we surveyed a bunch of our producers from April to July with COVID and we saw, you know, key findings was overall lower demand, lower income, and lower resources. Over two-thirds of our certified holders, they reported a drop in demand, which, as you know, ultimately leads to less finances and things like that. And you have to think about this, too. A lot of our producers, about 96%, live in places where national, federal, or state governments were mandating safety measures. So with them not having access to all of the PPE, a lot of people with transportation could travel two hours just to work, get to the farm that they're working on. So with transportation and all of these, these were definitely key findings that we saw were at risk for all of our producers. 
So one thing we did, um, I mentioned earlier, so our community development funds, we actually increased the flexibility and identified based on these needs, different farmers and producers could um, utilize the funds with what they saw um, was needed. And with that being said, we saw about 50% spent money on food that the communities and workers needed. They 20%, you know, PPE and medical supplies, they needed access to things like that. Um, and then even some of them with the PPE and medical supplies, some that were sick and trying to get access to, to help with healthcare there. So I would say overall, the COVID has not changed our outlook. It's just more aware of the issues at hand and how overall we need to support um, our, these essential workers and the producers and farmers. And it's interesting, if we were recording this episode a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have framed a lot of it as, you know, the COVID pandemic seems to be ending in North America. But over the last couple of weeks, we've seen an uptick in cases. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, it's still kind of ravaging a lot of the world. And with your global kind of reach, do you see, you know, PPE availability? Are these still issues for these producers? Or is that something that's sort of waned in the, in the last couple of months? You know, it's still, it's waned a little bit. But again, it just depends on, I mean, fair trade, we cross over 63 countries. So, and that's the thing too, is every country, every and where every commodity is farmed has different issues at hand. So that's another thing too, um, high level, we could say some things have gotten better, but depending on certain areas, there are still risks and issues there. And that's how, again, we continue our surveys. We also have, I mean, our producer services team are on the ground across the country. And again, to really have that awareness to know what's really going on and for us to figure out how we can implement um, to get them with the community development funds. And also, is it starting with just COVID? Are there other projects that they've also realized that maybe, you know, they've got risks right now that need to be handled, but looking for go forward, how we can um, better support them in their needs. So I'd like to kind of go back into the manufacturing aspect and kind of look at some of the food products that are fair trade certified. You know, this is a food and beverage program, so we should probably focus on that a little bit. So I think we could start off just up top. You know, how many food items would you say are currently fair trade certified and, you know, maybe even break that down and to how many are added per year? You know, how many people are entering your program to become fair trade certified with these types of products? Absolutely. So um, in 2020 alone, we... Again, I mentioned we helped um, empower farmers and workers across 63 countries. And within that, we partnered with over 1,400 companies um, and some of the leading ones like Whole Foods, Kroger, Keurig, Dr. Pepper, Target. And with all of their support, we helped elevate and improve business practices to create mutually beneficial trade for both the producers and the brands. And with that, when you break down even further, we cross so many different commodities with different, um, if you think about all the different food with commodities, coffee, tea, coconut, we even go into produce and seafood. And then even outside of beverage, we do do an apparel factory and home goods. But again, like you mentioned earlier, that coffee, tea, and the food and bed is really where we have a lot of our products range that, um, again, different retailers, food services, suppliers, everyone can utilize within private brands, their national brands um, to continue the overall mission. And I think one thing people are probably thinking too, you know, there's a lot of 
uh, social and environmental benefit, but I think a lot of people would like to look at the economics of it as well. So I was wondering, can you share any kind of story or even statistics regarding, you know, the success of a food and beverage product that is fair trade certified versus one that's not? I know that consumer demand for these products has been on the rise for a while, but I'm just wondering if you have any insight into the economics of it that might be able to kind of switch someone's thinking on this, you know, concerning the, the financials related to it. Again, as you mentioned, consumers trust the fair trade seal. When they see it, they know that it empowers social, environmental, and economic. And with that being said too, they over 63% of consumers um, in North America see that seal and trust it. And with that, that's led to increased sales growth. Um, one in three consumers feel it's essential to their purchase. And especially we found um, over 70% when they're educated on what fair trade stands for or any certification in that fact, then they're more likely to vote with their dollar. Um, we've also seen, you know, products even pre-COVID, um, six months before adding the seal to six months after, there was um, over three and a half percent lift in a packaged item in fresh, especially um, seafood. Um, that's definitely a key category. We've seen double digit growth. So can we talk a little bit more about seafood? I know this is one of those items that really gets consumers, uh, you know, traceability and sustainability are really important for seafood consumers. So I was hoping you could explain a little bit more about fair trade stance on this product category. Yes. So fair trade USA is actually the first to offer industry and consumers a holistic choice in sourcing responsible seafood by addressing really those three key um, components that I mentioned earlier is Fair Trade USA really stands for social, economic, and environmental criteria, and improving the traceability throughout the overall supply chain for seafood. So diving into that, you know, especially within, you've got the traceability from seafood and other products that we carry, the social responsibility, and then really diving into the environmental, especially within seafood, which is different, is the Fair Trade USA Capture Fishery Standard reviews the resource management of participating fisheries to make sure that it's managed legally and responsibly, but we also ensure documentation, data collection, and stock assessments. And what's also different about our seafood program is within the community development funds, we do require 30% of those premiums earned by the fishing communities to be invested back into their environmental programs. So this is something that we really uphold and we hold strongly for, especially empowering the fisheries. And what's great here too is our program covers both wild and aquaculture and small and medium scale fleets and species. Some of the common ones that we really support are salmon, tuna, shrimp, and scallops, but we also have barramundi, bass, and I'm sure which everyone has seen, you know, over the past year or two, seafood definitely has seen a huge growth within eyes looking at the sustainability claims and also overall sales, healthier alternatives, the frozen category definitely spiked. And within that, we've seen, you know, our fresh frozen and canned really spike with sales, but also some innovative items within our fair trade seafood program, our shrimp burgers and salmon dogs. 
So I'm sure you saw recently the UN report came out, really dire warning regarding climate change and how it might impact a bunch of different industries. And obviously agriculture is probably at the forefront of things that'll be uh, affected by this. So I was just wondering what fair trade's viewpoint on agriculture and um, you know climate change is and whether or not that's going to really increase the challenges of making sure things are fair trade certified. Can you kind of explain your thinking on how this is going to affect certification going forward and also you know farmers and everyone involved along the supply chain? Sure. So Fair Trade USA approach to environmental focuses, you know, is really on responsible management and good production practices. For farmers and fishers around the world, large and small scale, you know, it's really looking at how and empowering them and supporting them to be able to produce more with less, enabling financially sustainable livelihoods that ultimately minimize impacts on the environment, including drivers of climate change. So some of the key things that Fairtrade USA has in place to in enable this is through our agricultural production standard. So the ecosystem protections and the good production practices really directly mitigate all of these issues. Though our standard might not specifically state the intent of climate change, because of all of the things that we have, the standards in place and the different bylaws and things, it really upholds that overall. So to dive in a little bit more, let's talk about our ecosystem protections. So I'm sure most people listening are aware, one of the significant sources of greenhouse gas emissions in crop production come from deforestation and land use conversion, loss of soil health, and application of synthetic nitrogen fertilizers. So some of the things that our APS definitely state in our standard is deforestation and degradation of natural forests are prohibited. Any conversion of land to crop production must follow national laws, including respecting protected areas. Then farmers also must be aware and evaluate opportunities for improving biodiversity on their property, such as agroforestry systems or intercropping. Then just overall, you know, good production practices we also state that farmers must monitor soil fertility in areas at risk of erosion and things like implement practices to prevent erosion and improve soil health and fertility overall. Another thing too, I mentioned a little bit earlier, and you know, again, our agricultural production standard crosses most of our commodities, you know, in, in supporting our farmers. And then above the standards, we also have our community development funds that the premiums are generated and the communities get to decide how to use. And a lot of times the communities realize, you know, after evaluating some of the, their farms and things that are going on, they also want to apply some of the premium funds to better their environmental um, situation. If that's receiving more training of how to perhaps utilize solar panels in a better way, purchase those solar panels. We also, have certain things within outside of the agricultural production standard, like the capture fishery standard is something that we have looked at. And with that impacting the environment greatly, it is written in that 30% of those community development funds are actually spent toward environmental projects. So overall, again, when you see fair trade, you know, some people might look at it and first see that social, you know, it's social, it's economic, but again, we stand for environmental change and ensuring that we have these written into our standards and also, again, empowering the farmers and community members 
to then go above what they're required and to better themselves to ultimately better the environment. And I think for consumers, the easiest way for them to kind of participate in this is just focusing and buying products with a fair trade certification label. But are there any other steps that a consumer could take, you know, especially in light of COVID-19, that they could kind of advance these causes beyond just, you know, buying with their dollar, which, you know, probably is the most important way they can kind of impact change. But I was just wondering if you have any insights for a consumer that's looking to do a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, Like you mentioned it too, you know, look for the fair trade seal. When you see that, you know, um, all the rigorous standards are being upheld. But you also, if you see that, you know that that brand or that retailer that you're shopping at has aligned um, values and mission. And that's a great way too for you to spend your dollar. And also there's the fair trade seal. There's multiple certifications. You know, I definitely suggest that you look for those claims in those certification seals because, you know, with sustainability and things, you know, top of mind for a lot of people, some people could be saying things are sustainable. um, They could be fair trade, but, you know, there's definitely more that goes into it than just saying that you want to have the, the impact results. You want to have the data to prove that it is making a difference. So I would just empower um, people to really look at that and, use that go forward when they're interacting within their daily communication, if they are a supplier um, or a buyer. And again, just as a consumer, when you're going to different retailers and businesses. One of the things, you know, in researching ESG and just talking to other people in the space, it's, it's really refreshing to see that there's like a level of cooperation that you don't see typically in business, you know, where there's a lot of competition. It seems that a lot of companies really are aligned on this, which is, you know, like I said, really refreshing to see. And talking about those food brands, you know, what can they do to better raise awareness of these social and environmental issues beyond just having a fair trade product? Is there any kind of tips you would give them for their communications, you know, and trying to reach customers and saying, hey, you know, it's not just that we're fair trade certified so that you'll buy this product, but we also really, you know, believe in the ethos and we really back these initiatives. So I was wondering if you could have any learnings that you found along the way that could help them in their communications and how they, you know, try to bring that message to their consumers. Again, yeah, like you said, it's not just the seal, it's what's behind the seal and what that represents. So for, you know, for definitely suppliers and brands, educate your, the consumers, educate your customers of why you um, have chosen to utilize the seal and what the overall mission is and how that can even relate to your immediate values and your mission. Again, there's so many different commitments and commodities and perhaps they might lean more of the social values than environmental. Um, And again, lean in on those stories. And that's something too that we help support is we have a library of, you know, on the ground with farmers and, you know, getting quotes and stories and seeing them in action and really hearing from them how this has made a difference. And I think that is the other thing, you know, we all are collecting the data and getting all of that, but it's these stories and the connecting of the the humans and seeing how it really empowers them that you can't just make up, you know, you want to, people see a human connection and that's something that they gravitate towards. And I would say lean in on that um, and add the education, understand, you know, marketing in store, things like that. It's a lot of space and you got to figure out where you can do that. But as we all know, um, add more information to your websites. QR codes have come back in a big way this past year. You know, use that more um, with 
assets. And if consumers are in store and they're interested or they're at a conference and they have a pamphlet or something, they always have that easy to go to your website and find out more information. All right, Lauren, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. I think this was a really interesting conversation, really showcased a lot of what fair trade is doing and probably helps a lot of people out that have a broad idea of what you guys do, but you know, maybe now have a better idea of the minutia involved with certification. And I was just wondering, is there anything else on the uh, horizon for fair trade in 2021? Any new projects coming up that you could share with our audience? Yes. So I would say definitely over the past year, we've had a lot of projects come to life and some new programs that were launched at some retailers, which have been exciting from coffee to tomatoes with CVS and Walmart and, you know, some other things that are still in the works. And although I might not be able to say exactly yet across all of our partners, I will definitely tell everyone to keep an eye out for some news with so some of our retailers, um, including Walmart and Kroger, accept our, the fair trade standards as acceptable social audit requirements, which that could also you know, support suppliers when it comes to you know, getting into new retailers or upholding their relationship with them. You know, there are audit requirements. And so some of our partners accept fair trade and we have um, some that will also be announced later in the year. We have coming up in the fall with you know, International Coffee Day is October 1st, which so that last week of September into October is our Just One Cup campaign that really focuses on coffee communities and the impact that is really driven to those communities based on retailers changing their private brands to fair trade certified coffee to them, including branded products within their stores that ultimately the consumers can purchase and really vote with their dollar. We will be highlighting all those changes with announcing some exciting um, updates with some of our partners that have excelled and reached their sustainable coffee commitments, possibly have added some more coffee brands to their assortments. And leading in after following up to Just One Cup, we also have Fair Trade Month. And that's a num over the month of October. Definitely, we're excited to celebrate a all of our brands and our retailers and the partnerships and really highlight their programs that, you know, have continued to drive impact year over year, have recently launched this past year, is going to be launching the end of the year. And again, it's all about celebrating everyone voting with their dollar, whether it's within their assortment or as a consumer purchasing and highlighting how that really, you walking into a store and purchasing fair trade, coffee or fair trade coconut item really drives that difference um, to the ground in community. Well, it sounds like a really exciting time for you guys. And I was just wondering if anyone wants to follow along, where's the best place for them to go to keep up to date with all these uh, updates that are coming, you know, in the fall? Absolutely. So always check us out on our website, which um, I'm sure Chris will link some of that information to in the recap for this podcast, but high level it's fairtradecertified.org. Within there, you know, we really have the different breakouts. You can read a little bit more about who Fairtrade is, why our impact management system has gone through rigorous changes, and, you know, how we really focus on driving that change. There's also sections where you are interested to connect with us and reach out to us. I'll also send you over my contact information, but on our system too, again, we cross different agricultural commodities we have our seafood program, we have our factory program. You, um, we also have it 
definitely set up so anyone that's interested could fill out information on our website and based on to your industry, the commodity, an area that you're focused on, then we can definitely put you in touch with the right person. So I would say go to our website. Also follow us on social media. Um, Fair Trade Certified handles for Instagram, Facebook, and especially with this upcoming campaigns, you'll see a lot of exciting announcements and information about the impact that's being driven back to the communities. And we're also excited too this past year, you know, partnering more with um, ECRM and RangeMe. So especially for suppliers and buyers, you know, as you're going through a lot of, you know, the virtual events and you're going through RangeMe and sourcing, keep an eye out for Fairtrade USA tags and our partners that are certified with us that are in there. And, you know, if you're not certified yet and have some questions, again, please reach out um, via the website or um, email and happy to get back to everyone. And we will definitely share the links to just about everything you said in the description of this video. So people have a easy opportunity to go check all that stuff out. So I just want to thank you again for your time today, Lauren. It was a really great conversation and, you know, I hope we connect again in the future. And I hope a lot of people learned a lot more about fair trade today. So thanks again. Yes. Thank you, Chris, for having me. And again, as I mentioned, things keep changing within, as we all know, no one really expected COVID and lots of changes this past year and a half within sustainability, within climate change, things are changing every day. I'm still learning things. So yes, don't be afraid to reach out, ask questions and happy to provide answers. So that'll do it this week on the Food Institute podcast. Really want to thank Lauren Tolbert again for her time this week, uh, you know, teaching us a little bit more about Fair Trade USA and what it means to actually have that Fair Trade label on your product. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Mazars, uh, you know, doing a lot of good work in the ESG space themselves. So please click on the links in the description of this episode to learn a little bit more about both organizations. But like I said, I think that'll do it for us this week. Until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off. 